Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You can't see me, but I'm wearing an awesome single tracks hat right now. It's actually the reason my voice sounds so amazing. Okay, so maybe not, but you never know until you get a hat for yourself. Go to shop.singletracks.com to find Singletracks hats, t-shirts, stickers, tubular headwear, and can coolers. Shipping is free within the USA, and your purchase helps support the Singletracks podcast. That's shop.singletracks.com, and thank you for your support. Hey everybody, welcome to the Singletracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Wendy Engelberg. Wendy is the founder of Girls Gone Riding, a mountain bike group working to get more women riding and enjoying their experience on the trails. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for having me. So who first introduced you to mountain biking? Well, that was pretty much me. It was something I always wanted to do. Um, at the time I was actually going through a very long, ugly divorce. And so I thought it was a really great time to, uh, get all my anger out on the rocks. So <laughs> I went out to wheel world in Woodland Hills and purchased a rock hopper hardtail, the old, with the old 26 inch wheels and uh, V brakes and for $450. And I thought that was a crazy amount of money at the time. <laughs> yeah. L- little did I know. Right. Well, th- I mean, that's interesting. Not a lot of people are come into mountain biking on their own. I mean, was there, what, like, how did you know about mountain biking even? Like what kind of influenced you to think like, this is something I want to try? Well, I always uh, loved being outdoors. And I had seen people riding their bikes from time to time outside um, on the trails when I would go hiking. And it was just something that I thought, wow, I, I would really love to do that. Being a, a really intense person, I need something that's very intense to relax me. Yeah. And that, it, it just really appealed to me. And the minute I got it, I got a chance when I was going through uh, my divorce at the time. And I felt I really need something for me and to take out all the stress on and something new so I can focus on something positive. That's when I just, I'm doing it. I'm going to go buy a mountain bike. I just just decided to do that. Huh. Was it difficult getting started for you? You know, just kind of jumping into it? No, no. It was hilarious and a little sad. What I did is I I went online and I actually found, I was looking for um, women's groups. I didn't find any, Mm -hmm. Um, but I did find Corba. And Corba is our local EMBA chapter. It's Concerned Off-Road Bicycles Association, which I'm actually a board member now. Oh, cool. And they used to have uh, the Corba Fat Tire Festival at Malibu Creek State Park. And that's what I found. And they were having a skills clinic. So I put my bike on the back of my STS Cadillac at the time, which is a horrible, horrible car to take to the trail. And uh, I didn't know anything. And I accidentally like completely locked my bike on the bike rack. Couldn't get it off. It was just, oh, no. yeah, it was really embarrassing. And I was too embarrassed to ask the instructor at the time, which was Mark Langton, 
to help me. So I just kind of watched the skills clinic and then I pulled him to the side and I told him the situation. He walked over to my car, undid my bike, showed me what to do. And then I went out on the poker ride and, uh, just with like 500 other riders and was just a, pretty much addicted from the start and just loved it. Cool. Well, yeah. I mean, you, it sounds like initially you had a hard time finding women's specific groups. So is that sort of what motivated you to start Girls Gone Riding? Well, you know, there's actually at that same festival, there was a, an easy up that said dirt chicks on it. And funny enough, I met Karen Johnson and, uh, Kim Cofield and we actually became friends and, uh, I started riding with that uh, group a little bit. And, uh, at some point over like the next year or so, maybe a little, a little longer than that, uh, we're at happy hour actually at, uh, in Simi at a place that's not even there anymore called the elephant bar. And, uh, we were just talking about all the women that we would run into on the trails that were always riding alone. And so we would ask them, well, where's your, you know, where's your friends and why are you riding alone? And the response was pretty similar all the time. It would always be, well, my husband or my partner, they drop me, they're, they, they're too fast, or they're always trying to coach me, or I don't know where other women are to ride with. So, so we decided to open up our calendars and, um, try to get all the women together. And so they could at least network with each other. And mm -hmm. cause all three of us knew like different women in, in different areas. So we thought it would be a good thing. And that was around December of, I think it was like 2010 or 11. And, mm -hmm. and then we didn't do any advertising. Kim's boyfriend, Drew actually did a flyer for us that we put out at some of the bike shops. And then in February, we decided to kind of do like a little meetup thing at Malibu Creek State Park and 85 women showed up. Huge group. Yeah. So that's when we knew, wow, we got something here. There's a real need. Women want to ride with other women and they're looking for that camaraderie. So that's kind of how it all started. Interesting. Well, I know you have sort of groups spread all over today, all over California and Arizona, I think. Uh, how large is the group? How many women would you say participate in events uh, we have seven chapters. So we have Los Angeles, San Diego, Big Bear, Kern County, uh, Mojave Desert, Orange County, and the Inland Empire. Wow. And yeah, so um, we probably have just about, I would say about 2,800 women altogether. Wow, that's a lot. And some of these rides and events, I guess, are pretty big. I mean, 85, that's a that's a big start. Is it? Yeah. Are you seeing similar group sizes when you do have events and get-togethers? Yes. Well, but I limit it now. So um, to make it really manageable, it's important to keep it uh, small and intimate. So for instance, we do, um, we just did our fifth annual uh, women's weekend in Big Bear, which started out as a, as a two day event, which for a lot of us now is a four day event, but the event itself mostly is uh, three days. And I limit that to a hundred women. Okay. And this way it just keeps it really manageable and intimate and everybody has a, a really great time that way. Yeah. Well, it sounds like for you getting started in mountain biking was pretty smooth for the most part, but what are some of the barriers that you think make it difficult for other women to start mountain biking? Well, I feel that 
most of the mountain biking that's on either social media or even car commercials really focus on free riding. And free riding, it is really exciting to watch, but it looks terrifying. I wouldn't do it. And most mountain bikers would never, you know, that's been riding for 20 and 30 years, wouldn't do it. So I feel that the different disciplines are just not out there for new riders to know about. They also, newbies typically are timid in asking for help. You know, we we really focus on, uh, in our club, when there's greenie riders, meaning, you know, newbies, beginners, mm-hmm. we let them know that we're here to mentor you if you need it, if you want it. You know, there's so many veteran riders that will literally hold your hand, bring you to the bike shop, show you, uh, you know, what a bib is, you know, what chamois cream to you, <laughs> yeah. talk about saddles, anything that you need, you know, we are there to support. Um, I also don't think that newbies realize what a social sport this really is. And I see, I think, Jeff, one of the most exciting things I see constantly through our club is the incredible friendships that are formed all the time. And uh, that that is really makes it worth it. And we ride together, we do social things together, we do, we do pretty much everything together. So that is just such an incredible, unique element to a women's club and what really makes it different from one of the things that makes it different from a co-ed club. Yeah. Well, what would you say is the group's primary focus? Is it social or is it recreational or, or is it, you know, advocacy trying to get more women involved or, or that sort of thing? It's a little bit of everything, but it's mostly a social club. It's empowering women. And I, I think how we, we do that several ways, you know, we, we, the rides, all the, the rides are no drop fully supported rides. And that's what really makes our club successful and holding fully supported rides basically means that, um, you have a ride leader, you have a sweeper, you have a floater when uh, necessary, you regroup, you do head counts and it's very relaxed. So if the last person needs an extra five minutes at the top of that hill to rest, the whole group is going to wait for them Mm. before we move on. So it really makes it um, a good experience for uh, everybody in that group. Yeah. Well, it seems like that can be tough though. I mean, if, if everybody is waiting on one person, I mean, I guess the idea is that everybody kind of goes into it with the right attitude, you know, that they're not going to leave behind the slowest rider. Do you have any other tips for leading a successful no drop ride? Well, Oh, yes. Very, very, very many, many, many. So the the key to, I feel, our success is our our rides are fully supported by trained volunteers. So I put on workshops for all the chapters. And in the workshops, I basically start off, it's it's a really fun day. We have a meet and greet. We get to know each other. And these these are ride volunteers. And in order to be a ride volunteer, you need to be at least a blue level rider, both technically and fitness wise. And then I show uh, a presentation that discusses everything from the history of uh, the women's cycling movement to the history of GGR to how to engage your community. 
and to um, how to deal with riders that maybe are not having a, a good day. Mm-hmm. And then we go out on the trail. We do everything from basic first aid, assessing uh, the situation, to having each of the ride volunteers practice leading, sweeping, and floating. So each ride volunteer is trained, for one, and every club ride is fully supported. Now, the we try to keep everything small. So say if 50 women show up, they're going to have their choice of going to a greeny two ride, a blue ride, a blue two ride. Um, so we break up and we have enough volunteers where say there's 15 in a blue ride, we're going to break that group up into two groups again. Mm. So this way, everybody still will get their own ride and the um, the slower people are not going to get stressed out by holding up the faster people because they're going to be in a group that's really tailored towards uh, their fitness and their skill level. It's like one of the challenges, at least on the group rides I've been a part of, is that one or two people who are, as you said, not having a good day. So what do you do with with someone like that? I mean, do you go back with them or, you know, how do you keep that from sort of affecting the rest of the group. Yeah. And and that happens. It happens to to us volunteers as well, for sure. I've had many bad days (laughs) out on the uh, trail, as I'm sure you have as well. Uh, We basically tailor the ride to whatever the uh, group needs. So if there's one person that needs a little bit more attention, we're going to give that attention to the person. It typically, that is the sweeper's role to do that. Mm-hmm. That person typically is going to be in the back. They want to be, they don't want to go so fast or they want to, they're not having a good day. They just kind of want to a chill ride. So it ends up being a really social ride. And our sweepers do such a great job with just chit-chatting and, and keeping that person company and letting them know that they are fully supported and that, and they are not going to leave them. They're going to stay with them. Now, if they're like injured or they're sick or just something, or they get a call from their kids, they got to go, then they get escorted back Mm. because unless they're like a, we know them really well, they're, they're a veteran rider. We don't allow anybody to ride back by themselves. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. And that's great that that sort of framework exists so that people can feel comfortable and show up for these rides and and have a good time. It's very structured. It has to be. We have very structured policies that are constantly changing and uh, for for the better. And uh, we always want to be as adaptable and flexible as we can. And that's what keeps our club growing mm-hmm. and more women um, sticking with the sport because it's it's not for everybody. We we know that. Um, and uh, many women didn't grow up riding bikes. I, I didn't start riding a bike till I was forty one. <laughs> So, yeah. So, um, so it was very new to me as well. Yeah. Well, speaking of that structure on the girls gone riding website, there's a code of conduct that's pretty clear in terms of what's expected and some of the things that really are unacceptable on a group ride. Walk us through that code and and talk about why it is so important to, to making the club successful. I think every sports club has to have a code of conduct. It's just kind of common sense. Practicing good sportsmanship is number one, because we're, we're not just ambassadors for our club. We're ambassadors for mountain bikers 
on the trails. And so when we deal with hikers or equestrians, they don't know that, except from our jerseys that say, well, okay, it is pretty obvious. We're all in purple (laughs) and GR, so it is pretty obvious. However, you know, hikers and equestrians, they still associate us with all mountain bikers. So really important to always practice good sportsmanship on multi-use trails. So um, we always represent mountain bikers in a courteous, friendly, and respectful manner. Mm-hmm. Unacceptable behavior is pretty much any behavior that would endanger another rider or themselves. Um, lack of respect, rudeness to other trail users, mm-hmm. really pretty much common sense, you you know, not announcing yourself, riding recklessly out of control. Uh, So we pretty much have a a zero tolerance policy for all of those things because it's so hard to keep many trails open these days, as you know, in many different areas. We're constantly fighting to uh, keep multi-use trails open. So we want to ensure that we are outstanding members of our mountain biking community. Hmm. So what sort of makes your women's only events and women's only group rides different, would you say, from a co-ed ride or or maybe even a men's only ride? So many things. I really, uh, you know, it's just a different vibe. When you ride with women versus men, and I ride with men all the time. I, I love riding with men. However, I'm very picky who I ride with, whether it's men or women. But but when it's men, the men I ride with, I've been riding with those men for 14 years. So we know each other really well. And uh, it's it's all about the love of being outside and, and, and riding our bikes. Right. Um, but as far as a co-ed variety versus an all-female ride, it always tends to be a little bit uh, competitive on a co-ed ride, and there always seems to be a larger gap because of the lack of um, social interacting. Now, some clubs are extremely social. I can really only speak for when we do co-ed rides or for our club. Yeah. You know, and, and our club also we're so structured and we have ride ratings that many other clubs have actually uh, male and female clubs have adapted because we already have the structure. So yeah, they, it's just fun and social and we take a gazillion pictures, but you know, there's also, it also can be very hardcore, you know, like we have our, our, our blue two um, groups that uh, ride very fast and we hammer and we challenge each other. And uh, so if you want that aspect, that's there too. So you can be ready for that as well. Yeah. Interesting. So what would you say surprises women when they first start mountain biking or even when they, you know, like you just sort of express an interest in the sport? I think what surprises most women when they first start mountain biking is the abundance of other women in the sport. Hmm. They have no idea how many women there are that really ride. And I think the other thing that really surprises them is how hard it is aerobically. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. When I first started, I was a gym gym brat and I was in really good shape. And uh, I couldn't believe how hard it was to climb the hill. <laughs> it was absolutely brutal. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think there are still a lot of stereotypes, you know, either male bikers opinions of female riders or the other way around that sort of get in the way of people maybe trying the sport or getting started? You know, 
It really depends on if, if you're talking about cyclists that uh, or people that are already cyclists, mountain bikers who have who are active in either racing or um, lots of events already know that there's a ton of women cyclists out there. So uh, I don't think there's any issues with that. The the race promoters these days too are really, really incredible and really tailor towards really just everybody having a great time. It doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man, they just want everybody to have a, have a really good time. And there's a lot of women specific events too, that go on all the time that really empower women. And two good examples of that is the inaugural women's uh, Red Bull formation event in the Virgin that just happened. How exciting is that? Right. Yeah. And then of course the, um, the Rome events, which I just attended the uh, Sedona event with 350 women. So that was really, really, really fun. So there's just there's just so much available now for um, for women riders, whether they want to ride with men or they want to ride with uh, just all women. They want to go out and they want to race, like say um, the six hours of Temecula. There's women only categories for that. So there's just a lot of stuff available. It's, it's improving constantly. Yeah. That's really interesting too, because at the beginning, you kind of mentioned how these things like like free ride, for example, could be a stereotype that as a woman, you see that and you think there's no way I want to do mountain biking if, if that's what it's about. And yet it's, even that's changing. Like you said, Red Bull formation, you know, we're seeing more women get into free riding. And, and if we see that, you know, if, if women see other women doing that, yeah, it's interesting. You think that'll sort of change that stereotype or, or will it still be? Cause you know, I'm like you and most other people. I look at that and think there's no way I would do that. I still don't want to do it even after watching the women do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I still don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I think stereotypes will always exist, but the, the people who are strong in the community, who have a strong voice are always going to be breaking those barriers down and make environment, a more um, positive and welcoming environment for everybody, especially, especially women. And, and so the sport is just really just growing socially so much, not necessarily racing. I mean, there are still, there's a ton of women that race, but you know, step one is getting, getting more women on bikes and ensuring that they have a great experience. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I do have on our larger events, I do have male volunteers that are absolutely wonderful. They've been volunteering for me for many, many years in the club, their wives ride, the girlfriends ride. So, um, you know, men break down their, the stereotypes as well by getting involved in their own, uh, community as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too. You said it's kind of spreading socially and I think, that's one area probably where social media is perhaps helpful in that, you know, you can actually see a different side of mountain biking, you know, not the Red Bull side, you know, although that's cool too, but seeing real people, you know, friends of friends riding and, you know, in the past, like mountain biking was this thing where it was kind of hidden and kind of secret, right? Like you go and you do it in the woods. And if you weren't a part of that, you didn't know exactly what was going on or, you know, what kind of trails people were riding and was it scenic or, you know, what was it? And now you can, you can see that. And it sounds like that's perhaps helping getting more people interested in the sport. 
Absolutely. And now look at, look at how gravel riding has taken off. Mm -hmm. And so now you're getting all these roadies that many would never even think about mountain biking or <laughs> actually hitting the dirt now. And who knows, maybe at some point they'll move over to mountain biking as well. Yeah. It's a gateway drug. I've always said. Absolutely. <laughs> so as you mentioned, there are seven uh, chapters of Girls Gone Riding spread across California and, and Arizona as well. Do you think this is a concept that others can take to their own local areas, you know, beyond sort of the, the West Absolutely. This is a template that will work anywhere. Basically, anybody can start their own chapter. All that they need is a leadership team of about uh, six to 12 volunteers that are willing to commit their time uh, once a month for guided rides. And uh, then once they, uh, they have a team, they can form like mini committees that will handle things like relationships with their local bike parks, relationships with their either their IMBA chapter or their local advocacy group, because each GGR chapter is required to partner with either their local IMBA chapter or whoever, whomever their uh, local um, advocacy uh, group is. You can do a uh, committees for fundraising, all, all sorts of things. So yeah, basically it's really easy depending on the area. Uh, if it's a larger metropolitan area, you're going to need more volunteers, but you, you can't do it alone. Um, so you really need a strong leadership team that's willing to commit once a month. And that's really pretty much all it takes. Yeah, cool. Or is do you have programs or are you seeing riders of all ages or is this primarily focused around adults? It's, it's a pretty much adults. I mean, our, our demographics, our average age in our clubs about 47, 48 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, now we, we have some of the NICA girls join our rides once in a while, which are really great, but the, the club basically is geared towards women only. We want them to get away from their kids and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and leave the family, come out, be social, get involved in, in your community and, and, uh, create a healthy life of, uh, friendship and, and health and pedaling your bike. So it, it's important to me to, to really keep it based on, uh, more of a, a adult women, because there's not a lot, there's really nothing out there for, adult women besides uh, uh, events as far as clubs go mm -hmm. relative to mountain biking. Although there, there's more and more popping up now. We have a uh, girl's rock uh, in uh, Santa Cruz, which does a really great job. And there's, uh, uh, there's actually uh, a group in the UK that uh, um, is doing a wonderful job. I think they're called mountain bike chicks or the chicks. Um, so they're, they're kind of popping up all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's an outlet too, for a lot of women that doesn't exist or something that they definitely need. So that's really cool. Are there any female athletes or leaders in the mountain bike industry that you view as particularly effective role models for you and other women? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but I think that the women that I first look up to are my own leadership team because uh, in, in the club, because they, of their complete devotion to our club and community. And, uh, um, so my first respect always goes out to the, my, um, my own inner circle of leaders and my own directors, my own volunteers, as far as uh, industry athletes, 
and people that I actually follow and respect. I, I would say my t- I, probably a five. My first, of course, would be Lee Donovan. Mm. Lee has supported our community, our club since day one. She's coached She's coaches for us constantly. She's coached, donated her time to our um, uh, festivals. She gives me guidance constantly with our club. She helped write the ride ratings for our club and approved it, the final approval. She's super approachable and she's just really fun. Leah Davidson, she's uh, rides with the Cliff Pro team and she's also the co-founder of Little Bella's. Also very approachable, really fun to ride with. Rebecca Rush, what is there not to say about this incredible athlete and also very approachable? Yeah, she inspires a lot of people for sure. And and oh, yeah. especially on the gravel front, uh, like you were saying, that's, I think, a real passion of hers. And she's getting a lot of people who weren't into cycling before into it uh, because because gravel is fun. Oh yeah, it, absolutely. Sonia Looney is a great one too. She um, is one of my favorite endurance athletes besides Rebecca. She and she is really uh, makes herself available all the time, especially with her plant based knowledge. And I think the 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 final one of my top five would be Cat Sweet. What Cat's done with juniors in um, the Washington area is is absolutely amazing. She's created this like gravity community of young people, and uh, it, it's you, you watch like some of the videos, and these kids are just off the charts, having a great time, cool. and they're learning all these group skills because they're riding together. And she has a dig too, which is fantastic. So they're learning all this. Um, responsibility as well as, um, teamwork and writing. So I really, really respect what she's been doing. Hmm, Awesome. Yeah. That's a great list. So do you think that the mountain bike industry does a good job addressing women in terms of the products that are available? You know, Jeff, it's always improving. When I first started it, I thought I was doing a terrible job, (laughs) just, just terrible. But, you know, live really, of course, live and specialized, really started doing a lot of women uh, specific things. Right now, I think women have the best choice as far as uh, riding apparel. We've never had such great choices before. However, we always have to shop online. It's very difficult to find good riding apparel in a bike shop, or at least at least a lot of choice. I, I think the companies that are doing really well in the area as far as apparel is, uh, of course, SheBeast, which is who we use, uh, GGR, um, on our website. Specialize, they've always done a really good job with apparel, especially I, I've always loved their bibs. Um, Shredley does a great job, Zoac, Castelli. There, there's a lot of great companies out there that just make great products uh, for women. But there's also some smaller companies that do different types of products like Pedal Power. They make a, a chamois cream, a Joyride chamois cream. It's woman-owned. And so I really like supporting that business. Shredley is woman-owned. There's, for as far as bike companies, everybody's pretty much, with the exception of, I think, Liv, is really going to unisex bikes. And there's that's fine as long as the sizes are available in like, extra small and small, and they're really, truly sized correctly, you know, for many, uh, bikes that 
are say they're a size small for an average size woman like myself, who's five, four, it's like a men's medium. They're way too big. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fine if everybody went unisex, as long as the sizing is correct. I know there's a lot of smaller men out there that need the same sizing as well. Liv still does a great job with all their women specific bikes. Um, Ibis does a great job. Canfield, I actually own one of my bikes is a Canfield and their men's small fits me like a glove. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Pivot specialized. They're all doing a really, really good job with the, the sizing. Yeah. Another company who is absolutely amazing in the women's community who supports us all the time is, is, and who you don't necessarily associate all the time with the bike industry is REI. Yeah. They have a female CEO, right? I believe so. And we deal with, um, I deal with corporate out here, but our local shop is in uh, Woodland Hills, California, where they allow us to hold meetings. We have uh, clinics there. Um, REI also supports our trail work. They do um, swag. They've been sponsors for our past events. They're just, oh, and they come out and they build trails with us. I mean, they're, they're really absolutely amazing and just want to be all over the women's community. And, and we're, we're really grateful for their support. Yeah. Well, I guess in some ways, you know, we really have made a lot of progress because a lot of the, the things that you're talking about, you know, finding apparel in a bike shop and getting sizing, right. I mean, I think a lot of men would say they have those same issues. So yeah, I think we're we're kind of getting closer to parity in some ways. Absolutely, absolutely. There, men have many of the same issues uh, that that uh, that we do. I just feel that ours issues stick out more because we're just so much more. We're so much louder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your vision for the future of Girls Gone Riding, and and how do you measure your success as an organization? You know, my boss just asked me at dinner last night, how do you measure success? <laughs> Same question last night. You know, my my vision is to have chapters all over the country. It's also to help other women in their community if they don't want to create a GGR chapter, they want to create their own club. My, my vision is to use our club as an example, as a basis, as a template for them to be successful and for me to be their mentor, to help them grow their own community. I measure su- success in our club by our sustained growth, seeing our clubs, uh, our club rides constantly um, grow and um, just seeing women create their own committees. I, and, and I'll give you an example. You know, we're, we're a free club, so there's no dues. It's free. We only, we only grow and are able to do things by pretty much private donations when people make donations. And sometimes you have to remind people of that. And, you know, it's not free to, to go and it's not free to, go to, to city meetings. It's, it's not free to have a website. It's not free to, to host a website. It's not free to have, uh, a, an email account that says girls gone riding on. It. I mean, just, just all sorts of things. So, so an example is two of the girls, veteran riders that are on my leadership team just decided Cammie and, um, Kathy decided to form their own committee for our chapter, LA chapter, um, on how to do fundraising. And so I didn't even have to say anything. They just felt 
so entrenched and empowered themselves when in the club, they felt they needed to do something more. So they decided to form their own committee and come up with a plan. And, and that's when I know I've done something right where, uh, it, it the club kind of runs itself. Yeah. How are you able to spread that vision? Do you, uh, have documents and things that you're creating along the way or videos or how do you kind of intend to spread your message? Well, I, I, it, it's difficult, you know, work, uh, obviously working full time, you know, focusing on my, my career and, uh, and having a, a very large volunteer organization. So, you know, I, I try to be on social media as much as I possibly can. I go to, um, events with our booth, as much as I possibly can. So people, um, can, can see us. I get invited to things, which is wonderful. I go to everything, everything I possibly can be at, um, I will be there. And anytime that I can be on a panel and speak, I'd love to, to share my vision and, um, my experiences to, um, to help other people in their community, uh, be successful in their clubs as well, whether it's male or, or female. And, and, uh, and I always, make myself available to everyone that approaches me to get help with their clubs, which is all the time. And, uh, especially with our ride ratings, our ride ratings are getting spread out more and more and more, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, it sounds like you're empowering women all over to do group rides and to get involved in the sport. And that's really awesome to see. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you. I, I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well, if you want to find out more about Girls Gone Riding, you can go on their website. It's girls, G-I-R-L-Z, gonewriting.com. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week.